When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Kate Thornton and welcome to Up Close and Socially Distant, a brand new show being launched in lockdown. As around the world, more than three billion people stay home as collectively we try to find and fight our way through the coronavirus pandemic. And every week I'm going to be having video catch-ups with people who are doing whatever they can in whatever unique and special way they can to help us through lockdown. From frontline heroes. Hopefully it will allow us to really look into what effect COVID-19 has had on our communities, not just in people from ethnic minority groups, but also other vulnerable sections of, of, you know, of society. To famous faces families are being put in incredibly difficult situations in being separated and not able to come together. And the amazing men and women who are launching incredible initiatives simply to help others. Every Thursday I get a wave of messages coming in. <laughs> the ones that are closest to my heart are the parents that send me a little email saying this is my son or daughter working for the NHS or another key worker because I am a mom myself and then I can hear that they also proud but also anxious at the same time. Actress and musical star Cara Twinton is the co-founder of a new app, Tell, which is the first app to combine storytelling with voice interaction and illustrations helping to inspire children and to bring families together especially in lockdown. And she's joining me now, Cara. Hello. Tell us more about the Tell app and how you came up with it and how it works. Right, so Tell app, we came up with it actually a, a year ago, about a year ago. We'd, we're first-time parents. We'd just had our son, Frey. He's 16 months now. And at the time, um, a lot was happening in our lives and we were talking a lot. And um, 
reminiscing a lot and um, also my partner Marius he is from Norway so obviously we're at that family that half is overseas and we we visited Norway um, and I said to Marius we must get your grandfather his grandfather has this sort of quality of voice it's sort of like an Anthony Hopkins type silk voice (laughs) and I said we must get him to record a fairy tale for Frey in Norwegian so that we always have it we sort of got talking about, you know, technology now. There's a lot being said about screen time and, and, and kids being on there too much. And so Mary said, what if there was an app where, you know, parents working away, grandparents living far away, et cetera, et cetera, could record fairy tales and the, 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 the children in their family could request their next story back. And you sort of form this family circle and um, it makes screen time a kind of positive thing. We sat around the table here with the sort of four in the in the hub team and then all the technicians, obviously. And um, we said, are we going to do it? And, and we've done it. Oh, it's such a lovely way for families to interact, but also share those magical stories from their childhood, from yeah. yesteryear. That's the bit I'm most excited about is the personalised stories that when grandma met grandpa, um, my first day at school, etc. All those things are, are what I'm most you know, pleased about with this, this whole idea. And actually what you're creating is a memory box on an app that you can yeah. go back and revisit in years to come or share with siblings as more children come into the family. Um, how did you how did you fathom out how on earth to do all of this and what, you know, what kind of work has gone into it yeah because there's so many facets to it the most important thing was making it as simple as possible because if I'm going to ask my dad to be reading a story on an app it's got to be super user-friendly because otherwise you'll lose him at word go so it's very simple there's two sides of it there's the narrate side of telling the story and then you've got the listen side for the, uh, for the kids to listen to. And then in the middle, you've got the section you go into where everything's shared and stored. Um, and so, and it's literally a case of pressing the record tell button and then off you go. Story time has become really quite valuable again in terms of people's days with their kids. Yeah. Um, what's been the feedback for you from, from people using the app in lockdown in terms of what it's bringing them? Mainly from grandparents who have are, are completely isolated, and uh, what's lovely is the apps develop through the coronavirus into something something else. Um, you know, uh, I know a grandparent who is setting their alarm at four o'clock every day. They're doing ten minutes of reading with a cup of tea, and it's becoming part of the structure of their day. Because I think mm. we're all using our time in a in a different way, and I, I know I'm quite enjoying a bit of a timetable. Um, and so that was really great to hear. And then their um, grandchild is requesting the next story back. You um, have always suffered with dyslexia. So how does this app enable people with learning difficulties or difficulties in reading uh, to overcome that? When you read a line as a dyslexic, it's all disjointed. disjointed. But I was always told that if I read verbally out loud, it would help me scan the line quicker and therefore helping me to read with a kind of flow. So I want Tell to help kids with their reading out loud, because I know that at school, 
when you read out loud in front of the class, I was the one to put my hands up and be get myself out there ASAP because um, I was terrified <laughs> of it. I just couldn't yeah. do it unless I was on my, in my, a comfortable space. So therefore, you know, you press the record button, you can be alone, you can read out loud, you can go back and listen to it. So that's another tool for homeschooling and all of that. Um, it can be used in, in, in lots of different ways. You launched this last year in December um, with 50 stories and 20 of those were illustrated. And uh, you've said so that was the English version. And you're hoping to expand this year uh, with versions in French, German, Scandinavian, Korean, Russian, Spanish and Arabic. I know. We're thinking big. Well, yeah, we're, we're just going with the UK at the moment because we did a Kickstarter campaign back in December and then we actually launched um, the 26th of March. So we used everything we, we made from the campaign. We put it all in the pot, got developing. And yes, that, we're next looking at Norway because that's our sort of second home, I guess. And um, we're in talks with Dubai and that's all in development at the moment. So Tell is live now and it's really helping families in lockdown. How do we help you grow this and how can people access it? You could download the app at the App Store or Google Play. And, um, you know, going forward, the while we're in lockdown, it's absolutely free to try out. And, uh, and in the future, we're talking to Gosh Charity, Great Ormond Street, and working with them to support them going forward after the crisis and, um, and on into the future. I mean, it's really important, actually, when you, you talk about children's hospitals, uh, that they have access to a storytelling and be the comfort of a familiar voice, uh, especially during lockdown, because parents are being allowed in, but only for a very small amount of time, not like they would normally if their children were going through treatment. So actually, the comfort that, that this must bring must be invaluable. That's what's been incredible about, obviously, we've been developing this for a year then we find ourselves in this really surreal situation but what's come out of it is is just that is that families are being put in incredibly difficult situations in being separated and not able to come together so no it's fantastic that we could use tell even in a small way to help families connect and take their loved ones minds off of everything and especially with the the gosh charity that's very close to my heart and we're talking to them all the time you are really really um, helping a lot of families and especially young children not only learn to love um, literature but learn to to be with their loved ones at those special pockets in their day and continued success cara thank you kate Dr. Adnan Sharif is a kidney transplant specialist whose previous research into forced organ harvesting earned him a Nobel Peace Prize nomination in 2016. Now he's hoping to lead an investigation into why coronavirus and COVID-19 is disproportionately affecting people from black and minority ethnic communities. So Adnan, thank you so much uh, for joining me. This is one hell of a task. It is a hell of a task, but I think it's uh, it's an important task and Clearly, lots of colleagues are looking into this question uh, locally, regionally, nationally, and hopefully and we'll start to get a, you know, a better picture as to what's happening. And certainly there's the data from the Office for National Statistics, which I think just really reiterate that there does appear to be a disproportionate effect for certain ethnic groups for dying from COVID-19. And again, we, we use this term bane quite a lot. It's not a very 
nice term. I think it's an easy term to use, but clearly there are, you know, it's disproportionate even within that BAME community. So there are certain specific ethnic groups which do appear to unfortunately have a very disproportionate response. So we're, uh, I mean, all this information is great, but what we're trying to do is to see whether we can try and link up lots of different data resources to try and look at this a little bit closer to home. You just talked me through the trends that you're seeing that that made you decide that, that this was a very necessary investigation. Sure. I mean, well, obviously, you know, we're here in Birmingham and over 40 percent of our you know, local population are people who come from the black, Asian and minority ethnic community. So, of course, you know, the people that we see who are getting admitted are you know, proportionally from, from, from those kind of communities. But what we were noticing, not just here locally, but also just nationally, was this kind of this association that certain sections of the public were disproportionately being affected. So there's been a lot of data out there to show that, you know, the older we are, the more at risk we are of COVID-19. There's been a lot of data to show that men appear to be more susceptible than women. Um, and, you know, but we're all aware of the data that shows that uh, men are more susceptible. But I think people find that slightly easy to understand that there's probably other factors. It's not being male, which increases the risk is probably what goes with being male. So perhaps a predisposition to certain other health issues, certain social factors or environmental factors. And it may just be that this association that we're seeing for certain specific ethnic groups, it you know, we need to understand what the causality is. And it could be that there is some underlying genetic predisposition based on ethnicity, or it could just be that we know the people from the BAME community are much more likely to have certain health issues which predispose to risk, so obesity, diabetes, um, heart disease. It could be that we know people from the BAME community have more of those front-facing jobs, the NHS, public transport, or it could be social environmental factors. Um, you know, People from the BAME community are more likely to live in areas which are slightly more dense from a population perspective, households of multiple occupancy, and perhaps a bit more intergenerational living as well. So I think if we could get as much information as possible, then we can just get a slightly more more clearer insight into what is going on and trying to look at this association and trying to work out what the causality is. Adam, in terms of bringing social data into play, that adds a very rich layer around this. What is it that you're hoping to extract from that data to better inform the picture we have of COVID-19? So from from healthcare data, we can get information about demographics. We can get information about people's health issues. But what we won't get information about are those kind of social environmental factors. How many people live in those households? Uh, Is there any evidence of intergenerational living, et cetera, et cetera? And that kind of information doesn't live in the healthcare sector, but it does live in the social care sector. Um, And the first port of call I had was with the um, Birmingham City Council to see if they had this information. They've been great. They've been very, very supportive. And what we're trying to do is look into what kind of level of data they have. And is it in a format which we can use for the specific purposes of this? Because we have to remember that healthcare collects data for a certain purpose, um, local authorities collect data for a certain perspective, and the, the two were never meant to marry, um, and that's what we're trying to do here. So we need to make sure that that local data, which is slightly more granular data as to how you know people live and what kind of social environment they live in, there's a very clear pathway for this kind of work. The data has to get linked 
by an organization like NHS Digital. They remove all patient identifiable information. So for we as researchers, we will have completely anonymous data that we are working with. And you know, clearly there's a there's a pathway for that um, and we need to ensure that we meet all the obligations to be able to access data like that. But the key thing is we need to ensure that we have good data which is linkable. And that's, I think, the first and probably the biggest step. Some medical theories that have been suggested as the cause of, of disparity, less absorption of uh, vitamin D, higher risk of diabetes, obesity, kidney disease, hypertension, and cardiovascular diseases. Um, I mean, it is mind-boggling, this jigsaw that you're trying to put together in terms of understanding what are markers that you should be following up on and, and what are dead ends in terms of what the data tells us. Because creating data is one thing, but knowing how to read and interpret it is quite another, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I think that's one of the key things. That, I mean, what we're talking about are associations. And one of the common things we, you know, we talk about in kind of epidemiology and statistics is association is not causality. Just because you found the link, that doesn't mean that, you know, a automatically leads on to B. And you know, we need to be very clear about that because you know, there's a risk if we don't get this narrative right that you can unnecessarily be worrying people talking about associations when there's there's no actual causality between the two. There's lots of health conditions that have been linked with this. And we need to try and understand what the risk profile is and how we use this information to try and improve the care that we give. Talk to me about why you think that Birmingham is is a, a good hotbed to carry out a study like this. Well, I mean, you know, Birmingham's a big city. It's got a rich, diverse population. Um, over 40% are people from the Black Asian minority ethnic community. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a big, bustling, beautiful city. The one advantage that we have with regards to local data is that unlike London, which I think is made up of maybe 33 local authorities, we have one local authority. That comes with its own difficulties because obviously it's a very large local authority. So you know, if there are data sets, then they may be you know, in different formats in different departments. So you know, it, it, there are attractions to doing this kind of work in Birmingham, but there are also its own difficulties. Can we talk about shared learnings? Because this is, this is a global pandemic and globally people from BAME backgrounds are are, are, are suffering at the hands of this pandemic more than any other uh, groups. Um, are you sharing your learnings on a global level? Um, and, and, and if so, how? Sure. Well, I mean, you know, the fantastic thing that has arisen, you know, you know through the tragedy of this pandemic is the, the sharing of information and the sharing of data and the sharing of knowledge. And um, for example, most of the leading medical journals have been making all their COVID-19 publications completely free to access. And, you know, you can read the latest research, trials um, and any other information which comes. And, you know, we can all then access that. And that's been used by medical professionals all across the world. I mean, clearly we can see that there are certain signals, the United States and the UK, the two most affected countries from a mortality perspective, and this disproportionate effect in certain specific ethnic groups is also manifesting quite clearly in both the United States and the United Kingdom. So I think there's a lot that we can learn for each, from each other, even though the demographics are completely different and obviously the healthcare systems and social environments are all completely mm -hmm. different. There will be some shared learning that we can take from this and you know, 
as you know as things continue i'm sure that sharing of data and the journals as well making all this information completely free to access for everybody will make that sharing a lot easier uh, the government's also announced it, that it will have its own national inquiry into this issue um so i mean you could easily at this point say well the government's on it i don't need to worry why do you feel that your investigation still needs to be foot to the floor all steam ahead uh when the government are telling us that they're, they're going to look into this Sure, you know, and obviously there's uh, you know, there's the governing inquiry. There's other uh, inquiries that other some of the other political parties have started as well. I think the um, the scope of those inquiries um, is not particularly clear, and they may be very very broad, and they may touch on other aspects of care, which you know, which from from our perspective, um, are not going to be particularly maybe patient centric. And for us here, you know, we're serving a Birmingham and slightly wider West Midlands population, and we really want to know about our particular population. Um, and it may be that you know information from elsewhere is relevant to Birmingham, but it may be that you know the information is slightly different here. Our mix of demographics may be slightly different from places like London or other parts of the UK. And I think you know if we can access this data and we can get that kind of level of granular data, which may not be possible in some inquiries, hopefully it will allow us to really look into what effect COVID-19 has had on our communities not just in people from ethnic minority groups, but also other vulnerable sections of, of, you know, of society, people who are vulnerable adults, people who live in deprived areas, et cetera, et cetera. Adnan, thank you so much for helping to treat those, those families who are far more vulnerable than we first realised at the outbreak. Uh, you're welcome. Well, I mean, hopefully, you know, like I said, the will is there, the motivation, the, the enthusiasm is there, and hopefully we can um, we can bring this project to fruition. But I think there's uh, there's quite a few hurdles that we'll need to overcome, but we'll we'll certainly tackle them head on. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you. 
I am very excited to talk to my next guest. Anne-Marie Plass is a yoga teacher and a sales rep who moved to South London from her home in the Netherlands uh, two years ago with her husband and a two-week-old baby. After the coronavirus outbreak, Anne-Marie started what has now become not only my favourite moment of the week, but a nationwide event. At eight o'clock every Thursday, people all over the country come out and clap for our carers who are putting themselves on the front line of the coronavirus pandemic. And Anne-Marie is joining me now. Thank you so much. Uh, Tell me, how on earth did this start, Anne-Marie? Because you have created a a, a nationwide movement. Well, I'm originally Dutch. So I saw actually the round of applause happening in the Netherlands. And obviously at that time, we also had it happening in Italy and Spain, but they are generally speaking a bit of the more passionate people, whether the, yeah. the Dutch and the Brits, so to speak, are maybe a bit more reluctant to this thing, more reserved. But that's all yeah. happening in the <laughs> Netherlands. And uh, I have friends who work as nurses in Dutch hospitals, as well as people who are like myself and, and yourself, who are safely in their houses. And they told me of how much it lifted them and how much it boosted their morale. And they only had one time where I had an applause. Um, but yeah, they got me so inspired that I thought, well, wouldn't it be lovely if, if, if we can also do that here in this beautiful nation? And it worked. It really worked. I discovered it, as most people did, just being shared on social media. But within 24 hours, you had the support of Sussex Royal, Meghan and Harry. Uh, The Beckhams had come on board with it. And almost, I mean, it didn't even get off to a slow start. It just went bang, didn't it? Yeah, no, exactly what you're saying. Yeah, it went so quickly. It exploded. It went viral. And I think that it just, yeah, points out how much everybody feels the same way of like wanting to show in a simple way of appreciation but also the feeling of that we are so together going in this crisis and that every walk of life is affected by this crisis absolutely i mean I, I, how do you feel at eight o'clock on a thursday when you clap because for me i've not been able to do it with a dry eye not once yeah for me it's, it's also emotional um it, and it's but it, it's also just a bit of a highlight in the week because yeah I cannot really see my neighbors but all of a sudden I know who my neighbors are and there's this one moment where we live on a residential road some people even take the time to walk out of their front door to stand on the road within safe distance and everything or hanging out the windows it is just yeah it, it yeah it, it's just really special and then you feel that you are connected to everybody whilst we're also all going through our personal crises Initially, it was all about raising um, levels of gratitude for the NHS frontline workers, but it's very quickly grown from that. And it's about celebrating the men and women that are keeping us safe and keeping the lights on in this country. Um, How did that come about? How did you manage to, to get that message out? Uh, Well, at first, when I, for the first round of applause, I was pointing out the NHS workers. And then luckily this nation brought me, uh, sending me loads of messages and bringing me back to the core and explaining me that the whole group of care workers is actually much bigger. And then I started looking around in my own yeah, little community and I realized, hey, there are so many more people that are out there. It's the mailmen, it's the people collecting my bins, it's everybody in the supermarkets that is still out there so that I can safely stay in. And then, yeah, that organically grew into, I think it was already the next week of saying thank you to a much larger group than we initially said uh, thank you to. Why do you think that, that this event has been so quick to spread, but also so embraced by the British public? 
Well, I think it quickly spread because um, there is so much negativity happening right now around us. So mm. the thing that every moment when there is something that is a bit more positive onto the horizon, the people just, yeah, like myself, yeah, they, they go after that because it is something, yeah, that it, they can personally uh, relate to, but also can join into and in something, something small. And so, and it is such a simple gesture. Everybody can make an applause or can use something else to make noise. So I think that the level of entry is so low that therefore people feel like, okay, this I can join into. And I definitely also think what have really helped is that all media outlets everybody embraced the moment what what's the feedback that you've had from the frontline workers that were applauding have they been in touch to say what the clap means to them yeah i have had many messages and after every thursday i get a wave of messages coming in mm-hmm. the ones that are closest to my heart are the parents that send me a little email saying this is my son or daughter working for the NHS or maybe in, in other, uh, as another key worker, because I am a mom myself. And then I can hear that they are so proud, but also anxious at the same time. And then also from the footage that we have seen from the, from the, the how it has been received in the hospitals, people taking the time to drive down to a hospital on a Thursday night, uh, people, doctors and nurses coming out of the, of the hospitals, applauding each other. Yeah, you would have made from stone if that doesn't move you. But yeah, I think it's really good that we are aware of how amazing the NHS is compared to other countries. And we should be really yeah. proud of them and then really support them as a nation. Because it is uh, in this day and age, nobody has this what we have with the NHS. And, and you've not just settled with having this moment across the week and bringing the nation together with a hashtag that's been used over 100,000 times. Uh, you've also collaborated with Kindred, who make T-shirts to raise money for NHS charities. So tell us more about how that came about. Uh, so Kindred reached out to me um, saying that um, they wanted to do something with the donation. And um, so, yeah, and I was happy to uh, help support them. So they made really nice T-shirts with the rainbow, which I think for everybody is relatable for all the kids that have rainbow pictures in the window. And uh, I said, yeah, I would love to join. So we have a really nice... uh, uh, a plus logo so um, if we in that way can uh, can help with that and uh, they just confirmed uh, that yesterday they did the big biggest donation just um, just yet that's a 330,000 pounds that they put in with the NHS charities together so that is a, a just amazing for everybody buying that the t-shirt uh, tagging him and then yeah, sharing uh, the message, spreading the message. Yeah, so it's really nice to be part of somewhere where you can also be involved in uh, raising some uh, some money whilst boosting uh, the morale on the Thursday night. That's incredible, Amory. What an achievement! And not only have you brought people together in a in a very emotional way with a connection that we'll never forget. But you've also managed to raise a considerable amount of money for those NHS-affiliated charities. Um, what are you hoping will be the lasting impact of the Clap for Carers? I hope that we'll, after this, have a realisation of how important key workers are in our day-to-day life. Um, because it is because of them that we can all safely stay in. And, and then to maybe say a little more 
of thank you to one another. Like now I have, I know who my mailman is. We have a, a daily chat if he comes around well and I hang out at the window and then have that little feeling of the community and how important your little community is because that are the people that you hear on a Thursday night. That it is so nice to be part of a community and then we are all together because we have been focused so much on ourselves in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then to, for now to be focused on the community and to respect everybody in it, that uh, would be the dream of uh, that could be an outcome of this. Lots of people will look back, Anne-Marie, and say, gosh, what did you do during lockdown? Do you remember the, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020? What do you think you will tell your children when they're old enough to understand? What, what did mummy do in lockdown? Mummy, um... If, if I had to call, tell my son later, what did uh, mommy and daddy did in lockdown? Um, we just we just managed to, yeah, we just tried to stay sane. We just, everybody's trying to stay sane. We had, we have little to no rules in our household anymore when it comes down to uh, <laughs> screen time, ice cream, there's no... Yeah, no, I guess, and, and I would say, yeah, it was a challenging time, but we were the lucky ones. Anne-Marie, thank you so much for talking to me. And, well, thank you for everything you've done. The world needs more good, kind souls like yours, and never more so than a time like this. You take care. Thank you. Thank you to all of my guests this week. Please do come back and join me next week for more video calls with men and women doing all they can in whatever way they can to get us through this pandemic. And if you think someone out there is doing work that we should be shining a light on, then please do get in touch and let us know. You can tweet us at Yahoo UK with the hashtag upclose and socially distant. Oh, and don't forget to like us, to subscribe to us and hit that notification bell. 